I'm Don. And I'm Colleen. And this is Austin and the A Train. What was your, what is this? So first things first, I think we should explain who Jane Austen is for the listener at home who's maybe like, who is this woman? Why are we talking about her? Why does she matter? Blah, 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 blah. So I took a little snippet from Wikipedia because I wanted the information but did not want to do it myself. And it's a Um, free resource. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So Jane Austen was born December 16th. 1775. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that's one. Um, And then she lived until July 18th, 1817. So she was 41 when she passed away. She was 41. Oh, wow. You know what's sad is back then she lived a long, good life. No, even back then her death was like a little bit early, actually. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. They, um, I mean, like people like didn't, it was more like 65 was kind of like the death age. mm -hmm. Um, not to, I, like, I can't think of another word besides death age. The death but like, age. Okay, 65, all right. Stop, <laughs> stop, grandpa, wrap it up. Um, yeah, I mean, like, 65 was considered old. That's why, like, nowadays, like, um, 65 is, like, six senior citizen. Um, uh, but again, like, there's, like, a ton of stuff where it's, like, yeah, if you made it past 12... <laughs> Like you you're probably past twelve. If you made it past twelve, you're probably gonna live till you're sixty-five. Yeah, if you like lived through your childhood, this was like a really big deal. This yeah. is also I didn't realize this. This was like during like she was born. I mean, like a year before the American Revolution, which I don't know why I never thought of it like that. Yeah, but. and her like young adult life, I think, was spent during the Napoleonic Wars. Mm-hmm. That kind of, info- I feel like that's informed. Anyway, um, so she was an English novelist known primarily for her six major novels, which interpret, critique, and comment upon the British landed gentry at at the end of the 18th century. So that's the 1700s. I don't know why that always messes with my brain, so I feel the need to say that. She Um, was on the cusp between centuries, essentially. Yes. I see. Ah, turn of the century. There we go. Yeah. Austin's plots often explore the dependence of women on marriage in the pursuit of favorable social standing and the economic and economic security. Her works critique the novels of sense. Her works critique the novels of sensibility for the second half of the 18th century and are part of the transition into the 19th century literary realism. Her use of biting irony, along with her realism and humor and social commentary, have long earned her acclaim among critics, scholars, and popular audiences alike. So, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably at least one of those people. Mm, probably. Um, I'm ho- like part of our hope with this is that we actually get to spread Jane Austen to non-classic loving people. Yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. Um. And I do have to say, like, I've read, like, I've read a lot of Jane Austen, just, and, like, one note that I do have to add is uh, her novels, even though the language is 200 years old, they read as if they were written, like, a few years ago. It's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, and I know this is going to be obvious, but they kind of remind you of, like, those, like, period dramas that were clearly written in the 21st century, but are, like, supposed to, like, act like they're, like, mm-hmm. yeah 
living in the Edwardian age. Like, yeah. it's like if Kira Knightley, like, just decided. So kind of something that I looked up, I believe it was on Oxford English Dictionary last night. Or not Oxford yeah, English. Yeah, the Oxford Wikipedia. Um is that she was so she was the daughter of a reverend and her father was very academic and he was pro getting an education as well as her confidant was her sister cassandra um i wonder if that comes up in her books like every other one (laughs) (laughs) um every other and so her father was like very pro her getting an education and both her and cassandra never married uh which i find very interesting as well as the um cassandra we don't know a ton about her like private life because of Cassandra, because she was this famous, like extremely famous person, even in her time. Oh, um, that's nice. Yes. Um, I actually, right. Get it. I'm a scatterbrain person, by the way. So this is going to be very interesting. I'm <laughs> doing a podcast where I try to keep up the point. So Cassandra is actually, she was, she like destroyed, like burned and like ripped up a bunch of Jane's old letters. <gasps> Because that was when, like, historians were starting to do that, like, reading through old letters and writing to people. And, they, like, she was like, no, I want to keep my sister's life private. Oh, you know what? I think we should play the Hamilton song Burn right here. Because <laughs> that's basically what happened. Yeah, it's kind of what happened. As well as the, um, so I actually, years ago when I was, like, in high school, I took a trip. I want to say it was in the Victoria and Albert Museum or it was in the British Public Library in London. Um they actually For those had, listeners at home, I just went in old. So I went, so in there, they actually have some leaflets of, I think, the first draft of, like, or, like, some sketches of one of her later novels. And what she did, because she was very well-known throughout the time, is, so she wrote in what was called crosshatch. So she would write one way on the paper, and then, like, a mm-hmm. different way on the paper, and, like, only she could read it. And the the paper that she used was actually just a little bit smaller than the standard, like, book paper at the time so that if people saw her just like writing like in the garden or something she could just like smack it like just be like nope I'm not writing anything because towards <laughs> the like towards like I don't want to say the end of her life like but you know like but I guess it was technically like towards like when she was like starting to really get known as like this novelist like people were like oh so what are you writing uh, I mean we do that to authors nowadays it's just like we don't we just bother them on Twitter. We don't harass yeah. them in their garden. Well that was or like do we? I mean we we harass them wherever they have access to a phone. So and I have to say, like twenty as a twenty first century person, like the phone addiction thing is real. Mm-hmm. Um and then I wanna like part of the thing is like Jane Austen really like is kind of a modern woman in a sense that she's very similar to the way that of um, the late Justice Ginsburg or Ruth Bader Ginsburg right. in the sense that she like so yes like she what like a lot of her stories do comment on social social things as well as like yes they're about people falling in love but at the time being a woman marriage was an economic move that's just the reality of the situation but she didn't she wasn't like emmeline pankhurst and like she wasn't like burn the bra or mm-hmm. anything like that she worked within her system to actually like make some like witty remarks like her whole just as like how just like justice ginsburg like she was like i'm gonna work within the law to change this and i think mm-hmm. both 
kind of like forms of what like you could call like feminist thinking of like burn the bra protest let's burn some shit like mm -hmm. that is like a great way to live and if that's you go you but also like the kind of more like okay i'm gonna work within the system and see what we can do to it like i think both should be celebrated i think both should be celebrated as well and it's also like when you're reading jen austin you also i feel like you can't really completely detach it from the time because there's just a lot of stuff like that if you forget about the time period it was written in just doesn't really make sense yeah and i think like the most obvious to me is like charlotte lucas marrying mr collins like yeah because now it's like why would she marry him like if she didn't knew that she was probably never gonna love him and it's like because yeah. she wanted because she needed money because she wanted to live in a nice house she was like of the age where she was like I don't feel like living with my parents anymore. I want my oh, own house to, I <laughs> want to take care of my own house. And like, there's at the end of the chapter where like Elizabeth visits her, like it talks about how happy what like Charlotte is just like taking care of the chickens and yeah. like doing this. Like, and she's like, yeah, yeah. I love it. It's great. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So one thing that I love about Jane Austen, I guess that um, this is going into the next question, like what got you into Jane Austen. So like what got me into Jane Austen was like, I had to read it for a paper that I was writing. I was in like AP literature in high school, a humble brag. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, nobody cares after high school. Anyway. I took, um, I took AP lit too. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Again, no, for any teenagers listening to this, nobody cares after high school like don't bring it up nobody cares anyway um but yeah so i had to write a paper on like one of the classic literatures quote unquote um so yeah as like our final project and so i decided i was gonna read jane austen because i think i had heard about it i had heard about jane austen and pride and prejudice from the sweet life of zach and cody which i know means i'm a very old woman but it's fine <laughs> um because i think like who was it? Ashley Tisdale's character like brought it up and I was just like, ooh, that sounds like a good book. And then I was like, this is my chance. I'm going to find out what the sweet life of Zach and Cody is talking about with this book. And so that's why I read the book for this uh, paper I had to write. And then I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, I just kind of fell in love with Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice. Um, and then I didn't get to read for fun in college because college be college um but yeah so then i think the old so then by then the only jane austen book i'd really read was pride and prejudice and i mean everybody loves pride and prejudice like how can you not and that's like i mean we basically bonded because we both loved pride and prejudice and thus this podcast was born several years later um, um so mine just shows wow my story like your story is like so nice and just like humble <laughs> like, yeah well wait 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 I didn't get to answer my own question where I was like, right, the things, like yeah because originally I started this whole thing where I was like oh yeah and then the reason what one of the things I loved about Jane Austen was how there are just themes throughout her books and that's like from each of their books like she plays with different themes it's not like Emma one of her books is just a reworking of Pride and Prejudice where she just kind of like rehashes everything it's all it's all original and she kind of created the different tropes in romance that we see where it's like highborn versus lowborn old buddy old money versus new money friends meddling in their other single friends affairs like that sort of thing so I which, think that's what really just made me fall in love with her which totally never happens in real life right colleen <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so we'll, we'll save that for. So Colleen's story of how she got to Jane Austen shows that like, ah, like that seems normal. That seems fine. Like, yeah, that sounds like a typical 20 something year old, like getting into li old literature. My story shows the fact that I am extremely pretentious. <laughs> As a war as a full warning, <laughs> is that um my parents were away on vacation and my aunt Gina was watching me like just like babysit like she lived in the same town as us so it wasn't it wasn't uncommon like whenever my parents would go away that like either I would stay at her house for like a few days or like she would come to my house for a few days and so it was I think it was like a Friday or Saturday night and she was like let's have a movie night and I was like all right so we went to the um our mom and mom and dad pop or mom and pop version of blockbuster uh video to go oh my god and uh we rented the movie you've got mail which is you can at me i know there's it's problematic right now but that's fine i loved it and i love it and i can love it despite its flaws um, everything has its time so uh meg ryan's character she like she owns a bookstore, she loves books, and she is on like an AIM chat room and she's talking to Tom Hanks and she's like, oh, I love Pride and Prejudice and I read it every single year and I wonder every single time if Elizabeth will really truly end up with Mr. Darcy. And like, of course, there's this great scene where like Tom Hanks, like who doesn't, and like they don't know they're talking to each other and like Tom Hanks like throws that comment back on that face like, oh, I bet you're the kind of person to read Pride and Prejudice every single year and like, Blah, blah, blah. And it's a great scene. Like, oh my gosh. Like, it's one of those, like, he's being awful in it, but it's, like, it's so great. Like, it's just, it's good storytelling. And, um, because I liked the character, Meg Ryan's character so much, and I loved that movie, I started reading Pride and Prejudice every year. And I was, every like, 11. Year? Yeah, I did it. I read Pride and Prejudice every single year from, like, 11 through, like, high school so i know this book that, yeah like wow i was just here i was thinking i was like i had the best credentials because i was like what well, i wrote a paper on it and then you're like i read this every year oh. uh no keep in mind i was 11 i didn't understand half of what was going on oh like, true you right, i right. i had to rely on like and that was this was also like the year this was like a year or two like when the um the 2005 movie with Kira knightley came out mm -hmm. So it was like, I like read the book and like watched the movie and somehow got the story together in one place. And like, obviously, and of course, like I kept on thinking like, see, every year I'm getting out, I'm getting something out of this when really it was like, oh, oh every year I'm actually getting closer to being able to read this book. Like, so I was a very That's good read. Right I was a very like <clears throat> high level reader, but I was not, let's read an Edwardian <laughs> classic uh, i guess you i get you and the thing is for years like i like and i would tell people like yeah i read pride and prejudice every single year they would say like oh like why and i would say oh my aunt my aunt vi like who passed away from breast cancer like oh told wait. me by the way, I did have a real Aunt Vi. She really did pass away from breast cancer. She was a great woman. I don't think she read Pride and Prejudice every single year, but she was a great woman. <laughs> um, she, like, oh, said that she should read Pride and Prejudice every single year because you get so much out of it. Like, I just, oh like, God. blamed it. I was just like, I didn't get this idea from a movie. 
which again just kind of shows just how pretentious I was and like you weren't that pretentious when you started it but then like your reaction to people asking you why like you could have yeah. just said it's my favorite book and that would have been fine but you <laughs> no. said that instead oh my gosh I was no I was like a heart like I took it I because I was I was a really high I was a really good reader I was always interested in books and then like as I got older um it just it like it became I tried to make it my whole personality like ah. I was this like academic Hermione like esque like oh I read classic books because they're better like which that's a whole nother thing that we could unpack like oh yeah we could totally yeah um but yeah I like it was one of those like it started off as me like trying to be a little pretentious and then it just kind of turned into like oh I actually do like this like yeah um and like it's one of those like granted Elizabeth Bennett is written so craftily that like most like most women most like women can like actually see themselves in her a little Mm -hmm. bit like like oh they think of themselves everyone thinks of themselves as like the witty one with the comebacks and everything and like yeah I like or if you're not her. actually like her you want to be like her yeah I I mean like it's one of those like part of me is like I think I'm like her but it's probably I'm more like I just want to be like her um, yeah I feel you whereas it's funny because like Emma is totally like the girl who's just like she knows who she knows how hot she is like and she doesn't care if you know. I like Emma nobody else does I, and I, it's because I am Emma. It's fine. Well, what's funny is when Jane Austen wrote Emma, she was like, no one else is going to like this character but me. And that's fine. Yeah. Oh, did we even talk about all the different books Jane Austen wrote? I feel like we should have mentioned that. We should list all of the books. Okay, so the books that Jane Austen has written are as follows. You have Pride and Prejudice, which is probably the most well-known one, Sense and Sensibility, Emma, Persuasion, uh, Mansfield Park, Northanger Abbey, Sanditon, which I think is an unfinished novel, Lady Susan, Love and Friendship, um, Juvenalia, and yeah, I think that's about it. I might be missing some. Please email Dawn if I, if I missed any. What about um, Mansfield Park and Northanger Abbey? Oh, did I not mention that one? Yes, Mansfield no. Park, Northanger Abbey, also those ones. Yes, thank uh-huh. you. And I think that's it. Well, like, yeah. Northanger Abbey was, like, Jane Austen, like, trying to do gothic, which is kind yeah, of... Yeah, which is just, like, <laughs> no. No, no. I don't know. I think it's interesting. It's, like, I think it's also showing her maturing, because mm. after that, like, around that time, like, that's when, like, the Bronte sisters were, like, coming in, and then, like, you have oh, Daph- Daphne du Maurier and her Rebecca, right. which is, like, it's a little creepy. Like, yeah. Rebecca's real creepy. I tried to read it. Um... Because you're pretentious. Yeah. Because yeah. it's <laughs> one of those, like, no, it's, it's, it was me, like, trying to be Rory Gilmore. Like, let's be real. It was me trying to be Rory Gilmore. Always <laughs> like, trying to be. No, I feel, I feel that. So, like, well, also when I was in high school, my, my friend, one of my best friends from high school, um, she was also really into Jane Austen. So she actually helped me, like, pick out the book because we were in this class together. Um, and she picked a different, I think she read either Mansfield Park or Northanger Abbey. And we were just like, oh my God, I love Jane Austen so much. I think at one point for her birthday, we, I got like t-shirts made that said like Jane Austen is my home girl and had like a little Victorian lady on it. <laughs> Remember it when that was a trend? Blank, blank is my right? home. Remember when right, that was exactly. a trend? 
Yeah. So the other point that I kind of wanted to mention with like Jane Austen being a little bit like Ruth Gator Gin, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is that so it was common of the time like the Bronte sisters all had male um, they all had male like pen names and there were like there's countless female authors that have male pen names. Jane mm-hmm. Austen originally did pub- did publish under like a essentially like a anonymous but rather than just saying like anonymous or like creating like mm-hmm. a male name all her novels were officially published as by a lady <laughs> i like that and it like that's a t-shirt part, and it was like officially like part of it is just like and it was her just saying like yep these this is written by a woman and you can deal <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like when your main character is a woman especially like back then like I mean, there's a reason why there's a whole subreddit dedicated to men writing women because they just get it so wrong sometimes. Yeah, that's right, Stephen King. I'm coming for you. You know what you did. I still love Carrie. He can write good books and just not write women well. That's this all. is true. I still love Carrie. Like <laughs> both of these things can be true. These yes, they they can't be true. Stephen King Stephen King can write very very well. Ladies, not so much. Yeah, exactly. Um. We love that was ballsy though for Jane Austen. Yeah, and I think part of it too is you have to, and like this is kind of where we do have to check for privilege and to check. She yeah. was born of what was called the lesser like landed gentry. So her family owned land and they had owned land for like hundreds of years. She was not like a lady in the sense of like people had to bow to her when she came in. Mm-hmm. But she like her father was like a clergyman which was considered like middle class landed gentry at mm. that time um she's like solid middle class i want to say i think she was like actually considered uh, she was upper middle class because she okay. was of the landed gentry people like oh, lawyers um mm-hmm. lawyers who came from no family were considered middle class yeah i feel like some of the like familial like your family is connected to your status. I feel like because we're two like American women talking about this. Um, so I feel like some of that, the classism in the books, unless you re- already know that that kind of existed, I feel like it kind of gets lost on an American audience because I mean, yes, we feel like there's like unofficial classism, but it's not just like, oh, your dad is a clergyman. So that means you can go to college. It's not like that. Well, okay, yeah. maybe unofficially it's like that, but that's a separate um, t- podcast topic anyway. Um, um, but yeah, so I feel like it's always important to kind of know the background and like for that, for especially for this sort of writing. Well, and then it also like, it explains the character traits so oh, well. It was uh, oh, no. you froze for a second. Can you say that again? Um, so just kind of trying to understand a little bit about the class status actually explains a lot of the character's behavior so well um and then kind of like the thing that i also love about jane austen is the women are real um because Mm -hmm. back then like even in even in jane Eyre a little bit even though jane Eyre is like considered the hardcore feminist novel original hardcore feminist novel like the women in like a lot of the women like that were being written at this time and like this is true of like charles dickens and Mm. um they were like these ethereal creatures who knew how to draw, paint, uh, sing, play piano, like mm-hmm. all of me, these talents. They were all these like Mary Sue's running around. 
Yeah. And like, oh, they're like perfectly like beautiful and stuff. And in Jane Austen, like um, when I actually like, I was like listening to this part earlier this morning, like on the audiobook that I have where like when Mrs. Bennett asked Mr. Collins, oh, is so is Lady, is like Lady Catherine's daughter pretty? He just avoids the question and like, oh, she's <laughs> great. <laughs> she has a wonderful personality. Uh, <laughs> That's what yeah. she said. That's what he says. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, oh, he's great. Oh, she's great. Or like, and like, there's, so it's one of those, and like, Elizabeth Bennet is not great at the piano. Like, there's like many things that are great mm-hmm. about Elis- El- like about Elizabeth Bennet. She is not good at the piano. And like, she is like, willing to tell people like, I'm not that great, but I can play. Mm-hmm. I feel and that. Meanwhile, As someone her- who is also not good at the piano. I appreciated that just yeah. so much. Meanwhile, her sister Mary, like, is, like, very accomplished and very academic. Anyway, so, where was that? Um, I was talking. Mary. Oh, yeah, my little favorite, yeah, my little favorite, like, added touch that Jane Austen has is when, um, when they're at the, par- they're at, like, a party. It's in Pride and Prejudice. They're at a party, and Elizabeth Bennet is asked to play the piano, and then her sister Mary is asked to play the piano, and she says, so Elizabeth wasn't as good. She basically says Elizabeth was not as talented as her friend Mary, as her sister Mary. However, Mary was really obnoxious about it, so nobody cared. And that's just one of my favorite because, like, attitude is everything, and just being like being generally pleasant to be around will just make people appreciate you. Like, you can be as talented as you want to be, but like, if you're a dick about it, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Yes. I also have some thoughts on Mary and like what if like Mary was like born into the 21st century, like what would have happened to her? But mm-hmm. we can get going. Okay. So yeah, why is this exactly. called? So what is up with this podcast being called Austin and the A-Train? Yeah. You okay. came up with it. You say it. <laughs> I just made the logo. That's true. Um, so part of the reason why, so part of the reason why we're doing Austin and the A-Train is first of all, we are both New York based for the most part. Um, yeah. Uh, I, because of coronavirus, I no longer frequent the subway as often as I, to, as I used and to. And thank God for that, because the subways are terrible. And they're finally getting cleaned. Yay! Anyway, they're, sorry. They're finally getting cleaned, and no one is riding them. <laughs> yep. Figures. Um, is, we think that, like, Jane Austen, like, really should be kind of brought into, like, brought into the modern world, and, like, it does have a lot to do with, like, the t- like what you see now, and, like, the rom-com tropes, and, like, she... Mm-hmm. She created kind of, them. Yeah, she created most of the tropes. She yeah, is the she trope. Cre- she's not a trap queen. She's a trope queen. Hey, I like that. Yeah. Uh, there, she, like, there's so many storylines that are still used by, like, in, in modern rom-coms. Like, however, like, all, all the things about money and, like, st- social status. As well yeah. as, like, before, like, the equivalent to, like, what, like, the quote-unquote novels for women were back then were just mm-hmm. what you kind of see at, like, airports with, like, the, da- like, <laughs> with, like, the kind of, like, paperback romances that the, have like, Fabio. Fabio. Yeah. Fabio stroking some woman's hair while she looks out the window. Yeah, these, like, dramatic storylines, and, like, hers were very rooted in reality. Um, mm-hmm. So she kind of, like, even though, yes, like, there are some things where it's, like, all right, that's not how it would go in real life. It's, like, You're like, like, okay, sure. Like, there's still <laughs> fiction. It's still fiction. <laughs> Yes. But, like, yes, like, they'll, like you're, you're still going to get a happy ending in Jane Austen. There is yeah. no scenario where there's not. Of ha- dysentery. 
no, which is this, probably what happened to some of them in real life. But even okay, like kind of bringing that part out, like that was something that was like really done in Dickens. Was like either like the ending was like, er, everything sucks, or it was like elevated of like everything is magical. Like yeah. this is the happy ending. Like Jane Austen was just like, and then like this happened, and like they got married, and like you don't hear if they had a happy marriage after you just. But it was a happy marriage because they were in love. Love. Yeah. So I think that we should really talk about, like, because we, like, criticize tropes so much, I think we should kind of look at the root of them and, like, see. As well as I think worth exploring is kind of Jane Austen's take on social class. Yeah. I also like the tropes that she created, like, because, I mean, tropes are popular because people like them. And, I, I mean... There's cliches, which is just, like, oh, done to death. And then there's, like, fun tropes. Like, she created the annoying little sisters. Like, the annoying little sisters who hit on your boyfriend. That's literally, what's what's their faces in Pride and Prejudice? What is uh, Lydia, Lydia and Kitty. Oh, God, I hated them so much. But I also... They were fun people. to watch. They're, they're so fun to watch, and they're so fun to read about. But, like, you know people like this. Or, like, the obnoxious, overbearing mom who just meddles in your love life like I mean the Mrs. Bennett sent her daughter was like no like she, she was basically pimping out her daughters and it's kind of ridiculous and the other thing like too is I'm just thinking back to like whoever Emma ends up with I forget his name like um mm-hmm. where he's like been like the friend for so long yeah, the and it's like oh no I could never end up with him I'm gonna go after this one and like they mm-hmm. end up together like that was her and they end up together also he's her cousin that's a, another thing we were but that was normal is the ooh, that didn't age well because there were things that were normal at the time like weird age gaps which is something that also comes up in emma i don't think it comes up in pride and prejudice really mm-hmm. um you have the weird age gaps you have the marrying your cousins which i is just like especially in america you're just like oh no we, we don't do that um no, but it was you. a thing back then and in some cases like back then it was like the best option you had because at least you knew the guy like it, it was weird it was it didn't age well it's well it was also about like okay if you were of the land and gentry just as like jane austen was just as many of her characters are mm-hmm. part of it was trying to keep the lands like your livelihood yeah. was trying to keep the land um mm-hmm. so sometimes marrying your cousin was the only way to keep the land exactly and then i think also like i love the trope of the aloof father who like sometimes will father. step in and I do have to say, so Jane Austen's father was actually radical at the time because he was like four, he was very academic and he was like, yeah, my girls can study and they can write. And like Aww, her dad actually sent off the first manuscript to the publishing oh, house. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. I think it was either North Hainer Abbey or Mansfield Park was actually the first one that was written, that was like sent off. But then it just like, it was like, yeah, we'll publish it. And then never happened. <laughs> That totally never happens in the traditional publishing world today. What are you talking about? Eh, yeah, people suck. Yeah. Um, and then, okay. I'm trying to look at our notes of, like, our outline of, but it's yeah. Mary and Pippin just trying to. Pl- oh, yeah. Another thing, trying to play matchmaker with your friends, which happens all the time in rom-com nowadays. I think College Humor, like, made a video about, like, being a 
like two friends like who are a couple like trying to set up their single friends because they're bored and that's essentially the entire plot of emma dawn stop don't no (laughs) save it for a later episode we can't play our entire hand right now it's the pilot see Save it, save it for when we go over Emma. <laughs> okay, but we will, okay, but I will do, I will have to do a dramatic reenactment of when I was accidentally Emma. Accidentally on purpose. Okay, anyway. Please keep in mind. On love Colleen. Books. Please keep in mind, I love Colleen for this. I think it's funny. Like It's hilarious. It even, really even while, it, even while I was going through it, it was very funny. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. We love I'm each other. It's a, fine. I'm a delight. You're welcome. Okay, um, so kind of because we often have to like defend ourselves. All right, let us kind of actually do the official privilege check. All right, yeah. on Jane Austen and some. Jane of Austen was a highborn, rich-ish lady writing about other highborn, rich-ish ladies, and she um, is also another rich. Like she is a rich white lady, basically. Okay. So yeah, so she was the major race of the time. She was the major religion. She was of high status. So she never really had to worry about like putting, getting bread. Um, Yeah. And she was made, and as far as we know, she was um, hetero, she was at least straight assumed. I mean, back then, who knew? Who knows? um, I wouldn't. Like the only like the only reason like why we can't say we don't know is just because Cassandra decided to make sure that her sister's life was private. Yeah, we'll never know. It's kind of the same way with Emily Dickinson, where it's just like we can assume things, but we'll never really know. I fully believe that she at least loved women. That she was. Oh, at least she totally some, did. Yeah, like, but like that, like that. We have enough left of Emily Dickinson's like stuff where it was like very obvious, where it's like, oh, you like ladies, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. You like yeah. ladies. That's the and that would be the setup for the show Dickinson, which is about Emily Dickinson. Cool. Um, all right, so Colleen, so we like to do this. So we we like the idea of doing this thing where we have to convince people who don't like a certain genre to try Jane Austen. So yes. Colleen, I'm gonna let you pick. Would you like to try to sell Jane Austen to either people who hate classics or people who hate romance? Ooh, um, I pick classics because that's how I convinced myself to read it because I normally don't really like romance novels, which is, Ah. yeah, so then, yeah, so then Dawn can try to convince me to basically to read them. To Um, read a book you already read. To read a book that I already read because that's my life. Anyway, um, so some people might say, ugh. I hate the classics, or it's just about the olden days. The world isn't like that anymore. And to which I would say that part of the reason why Jane Austen has remained so popular, because I mean, there are tons of classics out there that just aren't really that popular. I mean, like, would you really read a Charles Dickens novel if you didn't have to for English class? No. I mean, other than like A Christmas Carol, none of his books really permeate pop culture nowadays because of those reasons. It's about the olden days. The world doesn't really work like that anymore. But Jane Austen is different because, well, first of all, she wrote one of the first modern novels. If you picked it up today, you could totally, you would totally believe that Jane Austen was writing, just wrote like a historical fiction novel. Because the way, like her writing style, it's still common nowadays. I was reading 
a book like Mexican Gothic, which is pretty good so far. I took it out from the library, so I have to take it back uh, or I have to re return or whatever. I have to take it back out, but it's written in a similar style in a very Jane Austen-y style. Um, so that's one reason. Another reason is that she created the original tropes. It's kind of like reading Agatha Christie, where it's just like, if you like mysteries, like, yeah, you know, it's from back in the day, but Agatha Christie created a lot of mystery tropes that are still popular nowadays. And Jane Austen created a lot of the original tropes of like just women in marriage and using a book about like a, a romance book to criticize classism and whatnot. And another, an example I would give of that is like um, Crazy Rich Asians, which if you read the book and you watch the movie, it's kind of in a similar type of style and it has a similar, like the, it, the, you can kind of see the, the trail of Jane Austen to books like that from nowadays. Okay, now you go. Okay, what do, all right, why don't you say what I have to do? Like, so okay. <laughs> I don't wanna read Jane Austen, it's just romance. Okay. So when it comes, so I'm always probably gonna say this if I have to defend romance, but for those of you that do hate romance, I need you to truly look at yourself and ask yourself, why do I hate romance? Because a lot of the hatred in the romance genre comes from misogyny because it's a genre, it's a genre for girls. So if it truly is something where you're like, okay, I want to read books to be transported to another world then sure, I can understand your hatred of romance. But if it's just because, oh, they're all cheesy and they're all bad, like, <laughs> I need you to really think to see, is it, do you hate romance or is it just you're following the trope, you're following the personal trope of, I hate things women like because women like them. I totally thought you were going to say, do you hate romance or do you just hate women? I, I mean, I like to call it the pumpkin sp spice latte effect where it's like, okay, People have been using cinnamon, clove, and ginger for years in desserts, like, and mm -hmm. just as soon as women put it in coffee and are like, this is tasty, people are like, oh, you're so basic. Yeah, but also, also, I will say, my dad, on that note, loves pumpkin spice more than I do, like, and also, I think part of the reason why pumpkin spice is mocked is because it's very trendy. Like, they put, they, yeah. remember, I remember a couple of years ago, they were putting it in everything from, like, pumpkin spice Oreos, which actually were not as disgusting as they sound, um, pumpkin spice Cheerios, and then I think pumpkin spice hand sanitizer, pumpkin spice like dish soap, like who needs pumpkin spice dish soap, first of all? Your dishes should smell clean, not like you just, not like you didn't, not like not you like left you them just off of them. But yes, and um, to answer the follow-up question that I know people are wondering, yes, my dad bought all of that. Um, I think just, just to kind of add, I was once at Colleen's like parents' house in August and they mm -hmm. brought out a like cheese and crackers for us to eat. And it was a frozen pumpkin spice cheese that they had brought out. They were like, yeah, we're, we're going to be able yeah. to buy some new stuff this year. It was, exactly. it was the middle of August. <laughs> it was delicious. It was still tasty. It. It was, it was so it was like pumpkin it was like a pumpkin cheese thing yeah, yeah. my dad okay. is basic so then as far as like if you're still looking at yourself like oh no i really do hate the idea of people getting together being the plot of a story with jane austen with with jane austen and all of her novels a lot of it is social commentary and they have this great thing which was like brought into existence in the 90s rom-com the golden 90s rom-com age and like for some reason went away 
of like there's all of these zany side characters who are like like the clerk like the clergyman who does who is like who has no idea that everyone hates him (laughs) everyone's making fun of him or like the or like the husband who like loves to torture his wife like in like <laughs> yes dear the uh yes dear like kind of thing as like and you have and you're you are transported and if you're like one of those people where it's like I read fantasy because transport me to another world do you live in Regency England <laughs> it is another world I have to say like I am I love fantasy and like sci-fi and that was part of what convinced and I also love like historical fiction and that was like part of why I was like all right mm-hmm. give it a shot yeah you're trans so you are transported to another world and it is it's it goes it runs deeper than just so-and-so love so-and-so and but so-and-so love so-and-so like mm-hmm. there are like there are like little classic there are a bunch of class issues that are being brought into play as well as um, polit- there's different political moves that keep on going on a lot of, mm-hmm. because again, both, most of these marriages were based on political moves. Come for the romance, stay, stay for, for the, the politics. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. So yes, that is my fight for if you hate romance, it's fine. Exactly. Uh, but again, if you hate romance, you should really examine why you hate romance. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you hate romance or do you just mm-hmm. hate women? Maybe it could be both. It's fine. That's another T-shirt. It could be both. We we don't. Spoiler alert: We don't have T-shirts yet. I need to stop saying that. That's another. I'm just gonna will this merch into existence. I'm just gonna will this. Okay. All right. Um. Okay. So this is just us trying to talk about how much we love. So here is us just a fangirling over how much we love Jane Austen. Um. So normally we would have awards for like the most clueless character or like the most annoying character mm-hmm. but we're just talking about jane austen so. i give the award of most annoying character to myself okay i was gonna give it to cassandra for burning all of jane's letters damn you cassandra <laughs> i mean i like that i like and then the most clueless character is probably emma emma's Cause oh. clueless because get you... it get it uh, you will I was going to try to pick someone from Jane Austen's life, but that's fine. Oh. It's actually Jane Austen. No. It's her brother. No, it's her brother. Let's just say that it's her brother. That right for a man. No, let's say it's her mom. Probs. Yeah. Because, like, her dad was the one pushing for stuff, but we don't, I don't really oh. know enough about her mom. I bet a Jane Austen, Jane Austen biographers don't come at me. <laughs> or do. Who cares? It's um, actually, no, the most clueless character is the person next to you on the subway while you're reading Jane Austen. Also, you know what? That's right. That's the most clueless character. Yep. And I'm still the most annoying character and it's fine. Okay. Sure. All right. And that is episode one. Yay!